Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney, the host of How They Love Mary. And I know that this is a podcast and you can only hear me. But if you were to see me, especially at Mass on a given Sunday, if you were to catch a glance at my socks when I genuflected, you would notice that they are fun socks. If I am not wearing Packer game day socks, you can bet that I am wearing socks from Socks Religious. Socks Religious brings you socks with saints on them. I own St. John Paul II, St. Joseph that I like wearing on Wednesdays, St. Patrick I like wearing during ordinary time. I have the rosary socks. I like wearing those on Marian feast days. St. Nicholas wore that one for the Feast of St. Nick on December 6th. I love Socks Religious. They are the perfect gift for me, and they can be the perfect gift for someone in your life. I encourage you to find the link to Socks Religious in the show notes today and buy a pair of socks for yourself, for your family, or for your friends. And now, on with today's show. Hello, my name is Father Edward Looney, and you are listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary, a podcast that I hope will either be the beginning or the deepening of your Marian devotion. Today, I'm very delighted to be speaking with Teresa Tamio. I've been a guest a few times on her radio show that can be heard on EWTN Radio and also on Ave Maria Radio and many other affiliate stations called Catholic Connection. She is a veteran journalist and uh, a radio show host. She also organizes pilgrimages all over the world, and so happy to be speaking with her today about li- her book, Listening for God. Welcome to the show, Teresa Tamio. Hi, Father. Good to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, so um, your book, Listening for God, it's a new release from Sophia Institute Press, and I think it's a very catchy title, because this is the question that people have all the time. How is it that I listen for God in my life? And we do that through prayer. But what I love about the book is that you actually have different stories. And not only are they your stories, but you've asked contributors like Al Cresta and others to contribute uh, to the book and to share stories about how they've listened for God or how God has spoken to them in their life. And uh, this is a question that I think people always ask, how do I listen for God? So what are some tips for people to do that? Well, I I call it, Father, the the three S's. And the first one I talk about is submission or recognizing who God is and who who we are not. So uh, saying, okay, Lord, you're the Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. And it's not just a one-time prayer. It's something that I try to do every day. I get up every morning before I do my radio show and say, here I am. I have come to do your will. And so we put God first. And then the second thing is to be in his word every day. And these are just three suggestions. I think the first one is most important. Uh, The second one is to be in his word every day. We have it so easy in the Catholic Church because all the the readings are organized for the daily mass. So all we need to do is go to maybe the USCCB website for the daily readings or just a a number of different places. You can get uh, hard copies of uh, the great devotionals such as Word Among Us or the Magnificat. I happen to use both. Or maybe you like to do the, you know, um, the liturgy of the hours. Whatever works for you. But to be in God's Word every day because that's His love letter to us, and that's of course a big way He speaks to us. But when you want to have a relationship with someone and you want to hear what they have to say, how they feel about things, their suggestions for you, their guidelines, 
you want to talk to them. And one great way to talk to God is to hear what he has to say in Scripture, because that's his love letter. And then last but not least is silence, which is a big problem for a lot of us, to silence the noise in our lives. And with all of the noise that, that's out there, you know, all the growing noise and, and the growing uh, opportunities just to be have the world drowned out with all the, you know, the, the apps and the TVs and the radio. And not that programs like yours and mine aren't good, but there even comes a time when we need to just have complete silence and maybe just sit in front of Jesus in the Eucharist longer or maybe spend more time uh, in the morning at prayer or at night where you can find some peace. So three things, submission to God, which we always have to do, being in his word, scripture, and then silence. Yeah, I love the scripture component because especially that's the way God speaks to us. We actually hear the voice of God speak sometimes, just like a few weeks ago when we had the baptism of the Lord. We heard the voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When we read the gospels, we hear the words of Jesus. So he truly is speaking to us. And right now, I'm sure you know this, Father Mike Schmitz's podcast, uh, The Bible in a Year through Ascension Press, has been number one on the podcast. Number one. Yeah. For the past mm-hmm. several weeks mm-hmm. now. And so there is this hunger right. for God's word, and people now are beginning to listen to what God has to say to them through the scriptures. Yeah, I think I think the year that we've been through has got a lot of our it's gotten our attention. And I, I know that um it, more and more people are turning into to programs like yours and mine. I think that's really important. When I say listening for God, some people think, Well, why would God, you know, speak to me? And he doesn't really speak to us. And, and, and the word speak, I guess, can be taken a lot of different ways. But he does speak to us. And you, you just mentioned how, for example, in Scripture. But also, he'll speak to us through people. He'll speak to us through nature. He'll speak to us through beauty, such as in art. I've seen people transformed. You mentioned my pilgrimages. And we've got two, God willing, if Italy ever opens up, we've got two planned for later this year to Italy, but I've seen lives transformed on pilgrimage where people will be kind of, eh, you know, they've, they've come, they want to see the art, they want to see this, that, or the other thing, and they want to be in Italy because it's such a great, uh, beautiful place because of the culture, the food, and the wine, and everything else. But then they walk into one of the museums, say in Florence, and they're confronted with the David, or they're in St. Peter's and they're confronted with the Pietà. And you look at such beauty and you realize that really is not humanly possible unless someone was infused from somewhere incredible gifts. So we can hear God speak to us in different ways. Many times it's something very simple. Maybe you're driving down the freeway or down a street and you see a billboard and it reminds you of something or someone. Or maybe you're going past a church and you're praying and you look up and you see a marquee, which happens to me quite a bit, with a scripture verse or a prayer that, again, pertains exactly what you're going through. Or maybe you're thinking about doing something and praying about it, not sure if you should do it, and someone out of the blue comes up to you and says, have you ever thought about doing such and such? It happened two or three times to my husband uh, out of the blue in terms of people encouraging him to pursue the diaconate, to discern going into the diaconate, which he was actually thinking about, but the people to whom he was speaking didn't know this. And out of the blue, they both came up to him in very different circumstances and said, have you ever thought about uh, praying about becoming a deacon? So this is the way God speaks to us. And, and I wanted to have different stories because God approaches all of us differently. We have different likes. We're in tune to different things depending on our makeup. And so he's going to use everything in his disposal to get our attention. And those stories, when you bring in other people, those different voices, somebody might resonate with another person 
their what they share, how they relate to that person might be different than how they relate to a different story. So it is a very meaningful way to communicate this message and to when we introduce people to these stories, well, then we're teaching them how to listen for God. This is how so-and-so listen for God. And so now maybe I take something they said and I look for that or I incorporate that into my own life. And now here I am quickly learning this method of listening for the voice of God in my life. And I think, too, Father, when people hear different stories, and there's so many different stories, you mentioned Al Cresta, there's Joan Lewis, there's Steve Ray, pretty prominent names, Kelly Walquist, pretty prominent names in the Catholic media and speaking world. But there's also Catholics that may not be known outside of my hometown of the metropolitan Detroit area, people that are very involved in ministry here, who've had some very powerful and unique experiences. And I think once people pick up the book, they'll say, oh, something very similar like that happened to me, so I guess God does really speak to us. In addition to the stories, at the end of each chapter, I had all the contributors put in their favorite, a quote from their favorite saint, questions for reflection, and also some words of wisdom. And at the back of the book, we have resources and how people can grow closer to God. And also, we have a whole section on guidelines for hearing from God. So even a group study. And even if your parish isn't meeting yet, group-wise, a lot of folks are doing stuff online. My husband's at a men's group at our parish, and they do a, a meeting once or twice a month online, for example, through Zoom. So this is a kind of book that can be used in different settings as well. That's great for groups during this pandemic to still continue to meet. And we have these wonderful technologies like Zoom and everything like that, as you mentioned. Now, one of the things that is part of your biography is that in the year 2000, Teresa left the secular media to start her own speaking and communications company. And so what do, what does that mean? It means that in your own life, you were listening for God, God spoke to you, and God said, I want you to leave this life behind, and now I want you to work in Catholic media. I want you to make me better known and such. And so how is it that you came to that point uh, in your own life as you listened for God? Well, I wish I could say that, you know, I was, I was so open to everything God was trying to say to me, <laughs> like hardly. It took me about three years to get to the point. That's very true. But finally, you know, I finally said, okay, uncle, I give. your God, I'm not. And I left the business in 2000. But I really struggled. And, and this, I, re I relate to so, so much of what people tell me because sometimes when God is asking you or directing you to do something, it doesn't make sense. It, and it requires a lot of trust. So I was extremely successful in the secular media. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do since I was a child was to be a news person. God put it on my heart that I would be a communicator at a very young age. By the time I was in third grade, I knew what I wanted to do, which is highly unusual. And so I I started actually in radio at my local high school radio station when I was 14, 15 years old, and that's all I knew how to do, be on the air, talk, do news, graduated with my journalism degree, had three internships while in college, started out in radio uh, in my hometown of Detroit, which is very unusual because it's such a large city, on and on and on, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I get to be um, very big in the local media, but my marriage and my life are falling apart. Uh, my husband came back uh, to the church through a non-denominational Bible study, and my eyes started to be opened about the effect my selfishness and my career were having on my life when I was fired from a prominent job. So that started the discernment, and then God put me back on another station, but once I got back on this station, which was even bigger, I had a, a reversion to my faith. My husband and I were, were back in the church and, and doing great things with our faith. I started to notice all the problems with the media. I started to notice the bias, the sensationalism, uh, all the, you know, uh, if it leads, if it bleeds, it leads type stories. But I was thinking, well, wait a minute, why am I feeling so uncomfortable when I've had this reversion, I'm back on the air, I can make such a difference as a Catholic in the newsroom. 
just gradually feeling like a fish out of water. And God was speaking to me at the time, but I pushed aside that voice. And it took me again, Father, about three years because I kept struggling and fighting. I actually heard it. There's an experience that I had when I came home from, from my job at Channel 7, the big station, my last TV station job that I had. And I was very frustrated with what I was seeing and feeling. And I was crying out to God. I was like, why are you showing me all this nonsense about how bad the industry is? Why did you put me back on the air? What am I supposed to do with this? And I, I literally heard what I thought was an audible voice when I stopped the whining. You know, you want a little cheese with that wine? And I thought I, I actually heard in my heart of hearts the Lord say to me, I can't use you in the secular media anymore. And then that started me on this journey of trying to figure out what God wanted, but that process was not an easy one. But finally... Finally, finally, in the year 2000, I was so miserable, and I just said, you know what? Okay, Lord, it's been a good run. I've been on the air for 20 years. You must not want to use me. Whatever you want to do is fine. And so I walked away. I, I My last job was a contract. I had a contract at a big radio station as a news director, and it was even worse getting back into radio because these stations were taking over these conglomerates, and it was just a mess, and, and the bias and the sensationalism and the sexual content was over the top. And this was back, you know, again, 20 years ago. And so I just went to the station manager, and my contract was up. I had a few months left. And I said, um, you know, let me let me leave. Buy me out early. So they bought me out, and I took that money and started um, my own communications company back in 2000, which I still have. I do media training and consulting and conferences and retreats. But that's when God said, okay, now we can do something. Now we can work with you. But he didn't show me everything gradually. I had to keep praying. I had to keep listening. And then he eventually moved me into Catholic Radio, and it's um, gosh, going on almost 20 years in Catholic Radio now. But it was it, did, it didn't happen overnight, and, that, and that's what I, I'm very honest about that in the book, because I don't want people thinking, oh, you're going to say a prayer, and, and you're just going to be so all about getting the direction. It's, it's a process. It's a relationship, and just like any other relationship, you have to work at it, and I'm very honest about my own journey. I think when it comes to listening for God, just as you were listening and you heard God say that to you, and then that gradual process of allowing what he wanted to come to fruition and to to be lived out in your life, there's a lot of fear from people in this regard. Because if I listen to God, well, then maybe he is going to ask me to do something or to make changes that I don't want to make. So there's probably a big fear that people have if I give time to God, well, then he's going to ask me to do something I don't want to do or to go places I don't want to go. What do you say to someone who might have a fear about those changes that come from that listening for God's voice? Well, first of all, read the scripture. What's that scripture verse about Jesus talking to Peter about you're going to be going where you don't want to go? But here's the thing. At the end of the day, who's telling you this? Who's telling you to do something or to go somewhere? It's God. It's the one who died for us on the cross. So do we honestly think, if we look at that crucifix, that this God that was so humble and so loving loved us enough to die on a cross in that way and to suffer such an excruciatingly horrible death is going to lead us in a place that's not going to be the best for us? See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And, and Father, I am happier than I ever have been. With all the success I had, all the money I made in the secular media, it didn't mean anything. I'm not saying that money and success in the secular world are bad, but for me it was it was my, my God that was my idol. And that's all I cared about to the point where my marriage was greatly suffering and, and so was my spiritual life. I didn't have I didn't have a spiritual life quite frankly and so I was sacrificing everything for that. But gradually God showed me that I you have talents, you have gifts, but it's not about you. I gave you these 
so you can make a difference with those gifts in a particular way. It doesn't mean that there are some people in, in the media who are using those gifts and they're still in the secular media, but for me, he decided that he needed me to leave and, and to help uh, work in the Catholic world, which is continuing to grow, the Catholic media world. The fear is, think of the word fear as an acronym, evidence appearing as real. Uh, and don't get caught up in that and just keep saying, Jesus, I trust in you, and just follow him one step at a time. He's not going to show you the whole picture. If he would have showed me that I would be on international radio and doing what I'm doing now, writing books and talking about my reversion, I would have, I, there's no way I would have believed it. I just couldn't conceive it at that time. But God's ways are above our ways. And it's, it's very exciting once you let go. I'll tell you, despite the struggle that I had with God, the tug of war that I was in, once I let go, I'll never forget this, because I was at the radio station. I just had my meeting with the station manager, and we'd agreed to the, the contract buyout and all this. I remember leaving his office, and I just felt this sense of peace. And yet, the weird thing is, within about two months, I was going to be out of a job. I didn't have anything planned. I didn't know what I was going to do. It's like, okay, this is great. I'm going to be unemployed. But I just felt so peaceful because I knew I was following the steps that God was, he was asking me to say, okay, how much are you willing to do? Do you trust me enough? And I thought back on how he had healed my marriage. I thought back on how he had brought me and my husband back into the church and the journey that we were on, how happy we were and what we were doing and how much we were in love with him. And I'm like, okay, you're God. You know what's best for me. And it's, it's step by step we keep opening ourselves up. That's why when you start, as I said, with those three S's, every day you get up and you submit. Here I am, Lord. I have come to do your will. My patron saint, my favorite saint in all of the Catholic Church, St. Teresa of Avila, she has this beautiful litany, I am yours, I was made for you, what do you want me to do? And that's what I ask every single day. You do that, you read the scriptures, you find time for prayer, and God is going to speak to you and guide you in what he wants you to do. I really liked what you said, that that when you left, you had a sense of relief, you had a sense of happiness, and that's what mm-hmm. you, that's what we experience, that if we have that fear, well, we have to realize, well, this is the author of all happiness who is asking us to do this. Right. This is the God who wants our good. And that's exactly right. what you just shared and what you explained. Now, in the you work in the media. You worked in secular media. We realize that it consumes us sometimes. We take in so much through social media and all of these different platforms. And you mentioned this right in the very beginning. We need silence. We have all of this noise that's trying to take us away uh, from hearing the voice of God. So how do we make that time or how do we cancel out that that noise of the world? Well, I think you have to really look. I always tell them in my, my other books, I always talk about doing a media reality check. My very first book was called Noise how our media-saturated culture dominates lives and dismantles families. And I, I have I ask people to take an honest look at how much time they spend with the media. Not all media are bad. I mean, the Church has entire teachings on the media, and to Marifica, the beautiful uh, annual World Communications Day statement from the Pope, which comes out and looks at the different ways media can be used for good. Paul VI said, if we don't use the media wisely in the Church, we'll have to stand before God, because it's a great tool of evangelization. But I think it's all about balance, and that's what the Church is about. So it's not saying that all media are bad again. But how much time do you spend on Facebook? And especially what we're learning now about these companies, about anything, uh, any, any voices with whom they disagree, including pro-life voices and other voices that represent family and faith, and they're doing it at breakneck speed, I think it's important for us to say, do I want to 
spend a lot of time on these entities through these outlets. Now, I still think some of them can be important for Christians to have a presence because we have to be, we, we, you know, we can't just preach to the choir. I mean, the choir needs practice. We have to encourage each other, but I believe we have to be in the world as well, but not of the world. So I would say make sure you're limiting your time. Uh, the, the best thing that parents can do for kids is to make sure that when they come home that they don't go to sleep with that phone, that they're not locked in their room with those computers and their laptops and their cell phones. Now everything is on the phone, right? So many experts, you put them in a basket, you put them in a drawer for your family. Uh, and also discern, uh, you know, what you're watching and you're listening to. How much of the information are you getting? from some of these secular outlets, and I can tell you from being in the secular media, the vast majority of them have no idea about religion. The majority of them are, are atheists or was in the midst of it for 20 years. They have no idea about religion, and they certainly don't know how the Catholic Church operates. So if you're looking to the secular media, the big mainstream media outlets, then you're being very badly misinformed about a lot of things. And now the bias is so over the top, they're not even hiding it anymore. So you have to be very careful about the kind of information you're getting. But I would really limit your time and then make sure when you're having meal time with your family that it's media-free. And all the experts say that. Yeah, I think it, everything comes down to discernment. And in our own life, we're discerning right. the use of media in our own life. We have decisions we're making, and so we discern them, and we do so by listening for God. And one of the people that listened for God in her own life was the Blessed Virgin Mary. She went into the temple, maybe, mm -hmm. and there she sat in the presence of God, and she heard uh, the teachings of uh, the great scholars of the law. And so one of the things I always do is to end the show, How They Love Mary, with the Marian profile of the guest, just coming to understand how it is that you love Mary and what makes your Marian devotion unique. And that inspires, I think, other people as they uh, make their walk with God. Well, you know, Mary, Mary, our Blessed Mother, I love what you said about her, because um, when she heard from the angel on, on uh, the Annunciation, when she was visited by uh, the angel Gabriel, who, by the way, is one of the patron saints of broadcasters, and I love St. Gabriel, she, was, she had been preparing for that. She was um, a young woman who had prayed. She was in prayer. She knew the scriptures. And so I, I like to think of her as, as someone that, you know, um, on whom we can model our own lives and our own practice in terms of prayer, time for prayer, and time for scripture. And then she also submitted let it be done to me according to thy word. And she rejoiced. She did a couple of things, and that's why she's such a great role model, and I try to do the same thing. You know, her, her, my soul magnifies the, grace, the, you know, the greatness of the Lord. So she recognized who God did. She glorified him, but she also submitted to him, and, and that to me. And the other thing she did that I love, we see her, when we read about her in Scripture, Father, what is she doing? She's pondering. She's reflecting. Who ponders anything anymore, right? We move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. So this whole idea of reflection, I think, is, is very, very important. When it comes to the And she's a role model for me for that. For sure. When, we, when it comes to the Blessed Mother, she's a woman of many different names. Uh, what's your favorite mm -hmm. Marian title? Ma. <laughs> <laughs> very I do a very Italian jersey thing. Ma. <laughs> That's great. I'm being very honest. I, you know, I'm 100% Italian. I was born on the East Coast. I was raised here in Michigan, but, I, but I'm very vocal. And when I pray to her, I call her Ma. I call her Ma. That's what I used to call my mother. My mother passed away last year. I'm like, Ma, help. Um, uh, Mom or, or Ma. I, I'm very serious. Our Lady, I also call her Our Lady, but I, I'm very real with my prayer 
just like I am with Jesus, and I just say, Ma, Mama, Mama Mira, please, please help me. So, Ma, it's very Italian. That's beautiful. Now, how about uh, a Marian sacramental? We might have a special sacramental that means a lot to us. Maybe we wear one, we carry it with us. How about, uh, do you make use of Marian sacramentals? Oh, my gosh. I wish you could see my office, Father. Um, maybe the next interview we do, we'll have to do a Zoom. It's so funny you should say that because when I was in the, the secular media, I had pictures of myself with athletes and famous other famous people. Well, now my office looks like a religious bookstore and so i have favorite images of our lady is our lady of the undoer of knots i also have um our lady of good hope from wisconsin we just went to the shrine there did a pilgrimage there last fall and then i have all kinds of different um statues and, and images of our lady all over my office so um i also have let's see i'm looking at my i'm in my home studio right now we have our lady of uh the undoer of knots um Let's see, we have St. Catherine of Siena, St. Teresa. We have images from Our Lady of Fatima. You name it, I've got it. Uh, and I love Fatima. I've been to Fatima. I also love Lourdes. They have um, all kinds of different images. And I have a beautiful candle uh, from Fatima that I uh, have on my desk when I do my radio show. So, yeah, my office looks like a religious bookstore with many, many different images and sacramentals of Our Lady. For some people, they find the rosary to be monotonous. Maybe it, they struggle praying the rosary. Do you have a tip to help people pray the rosary better? Well, I would think that people could remember it. It's a scriptural journey, and, and use it as a, as a Lexio Divina, a divine, a divine reading, an audio version, let's say, of Alexio Divina. I think for me, because I'm a very visual person, and, and because I do pilgrimages, as you said, I've been to the Holy Land many times, leading pilgrimages at Steve Ray, so when we're praying the rosary, when my husband, I'm there in those places, and I can think about those. So I, I would just really encourage people. And this is why I keep going back to Scripture, because when you're reading Scripture and you're saying the rosary, you're going to understand it even more deeply, and the prayers are going to come alive. And some people say, well, you know, it's, it's, you're just doing rote prayer. You're just being repetitive. And it's like, no, uh, there's nothing wrong with, with being repetitive anyway, because if you don't like repetitive prayer, then why the heck do you want to get to heaven? Because they're going to be worshiping the Lord you know, round the clock. And there's a difference between rope prayer and repetitive prayer. If you read the Psalms or if you if you read, you know, other parts of Scripture, you'll see people repeating themselves in terms of prayers. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's the intent that's behind it. So I think, first of all, just think of it as a walk through the, the life of Christ and, and go to the Scriptures and, and look at the different mysteries and then understand what was happening when you're praying it. And you think about those words, and you think of saying the Hail Mary and what it means in terms of protecting you from, and how it scares you-know-who, just saying those words, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then think about, from an apologetic standpoint, what that means and why we believe that she's immaculate. Hail Mary, full of grace. When you're full of something, there's no room for anything else. So just kind of use it as an opportunity to dive more deeply into the faith overall because it's such a great tool. You mentioned Fatima, you mentioned Lourdes, you've mentioned Champion, Wisconsin, all of these sites of Mary's apparitions. Do you have a favorite Marian apparition? I really loved, um, I love both Lourdes, but I, I guess I was touched, I love Portugal too, but I guess I was touched by Portugal because of the simplicity, um, well, I guess the same for St. Bernadette, but the simplicity of the ch- children and how Our Lady, how Our Mother chooses the littlest of these to whom to speak. And when you go to Fatima, what I liked about Fatima was as much as I love war, 
Lords. The Sanctuary of Lords, I think, is beautiful, but the area can be, the commercialism of that area can be a little bit overwhelming for some. But Fatima just, just struck me differently, and I really fell in love. And also watching the movie, the new movie, Fatima, that came out, and thinking about what those children went through as well as what St. Bernadette went through, but the children were even younger than St. Bernadette, the three seers. So I think I would have to say those two places are tops. There are lots of shrines to Mary. So we talked about these apparition sites, but there are other devotional shrines. For example, where I live in Wisconsin, we have uh, Our Lady Help of Christians or Holy Hill. There's the Our Lady of Guadalupe shrine. So there's shrines to the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Is there a shrine to Mary you visited that has left an impression on you? Uh, well, again, I think... Uh I, our last experience that we had was so powerful. Um, our Lady of uh, um, of Hope, the Our Lady of Good Hope in Wisconsin, because of how she protected that area from the fire. I was somewhat familiar with it, but when I was there and looking at it in the middle of, of that area, uh, not too far from Green Bay, it really impressed me in terms of the importance of Eucharistic adoration, Eucharistic procession, and again, just the simplicity of, of to whom Mary chooses. She chooses um, people who just have a good heart and want to teach the faith and have an open heart. It's not, not as if, you know, a, okay, we have wonderful theologians, teachers, and amazing saints that were very um, well-educated. But I think it means a lot when we see our, our Lady and our Lord who are appearing to the simplest of people because I think there's a message there because God needs to... I think probably the shrine in Wisconsin that we just went to really left him impression on me in terms of of it. Okay. And uh, lastly, there are lots of books about the Blessed Mother. Saints have written books about Mary. Other people, contemporary people have. Do you have a book about Mary that you'd recommend for people to read? Well, well, right now, we're, my husband and I are actually doing, it's more of a book about St. Joseph. We're doing the consecration uh, to St. Joseph that was written by my friend, Father Don Calloway, but because of the consecration, between St. Joseph and Mary in this book, so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And um, I, I also want to recommend another book, not directly related to Our Lady, but one of my favorite books on the saints, uh, St. Catherine of Siena, Lay Siege to Heaven. Um, and to me, St. Catherine, who gave us such a, great, um, such a great teaching on our Lord and our Blessed Mother, I think those two books on St. Joseph, the consecration, Our Lady is on every page, which is really, really neat. So we're, we're, we're moving through that, and it's reminding me of the Holy Family and making me think even more about Mary, especially as a married woman and how she related to her husband, Joseph. Yeah, the consecration of St. Joseph is wonderful. We're grateful to our Holy Father, Pope Francis, for the year of St. Joseph. I'm actually doing... Year of St. Joseph, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually doing a Wednesday kind of uh, video series. It's kind of uh, outreach for adult faith formation for my parish, where I'm just doing a kind of... They're Facebook Lives, but they're all pre-recorded, but they go out as a live event. And uh, it's mm-hmm. just conversing with someone about St. Joseph. So bringing in some of the great people who have this devotion and unpacking it and promoting devotion to St. Joseph. So that's a, a new project of mine that, that uh, for this special year, uh, for, for the sake of the parishioners. So I, I'd like to thank you so much, Teresa, for joining me today. It's a, a great joy to be able to speak with you, especially about your book, Listening for God, available from Sophia Institute Press. Now, if people want to learn more about you and uh, your work, how can they do that? The easiest thing, Father, and thank you so much for this great opportunity, is just to go to my website. It's very easy, TeresaTomeo.com, and it's Teresa, as in Teresa of Avila, T-E-R-E-S-A-T-O-M-E-O.com, TeresaTomeo.com. The book is there. You'll find all of my um, information, my upcoming pilgrimages, and also my uh, travel website, travel um, expert, TravelItalyExpert.com, regarding all things Italy and my love for all the saints in Italy as well. 
and you can catch her on EWTN Radio or on Ave Maria Radio uh, each and every day from, I believe it's at 8 Central to 10 Central that you're on the air uh, or, or 9 no, to Eastern, 11. 8 to 10 Eastern. 8 to 10 Eastern, okay. 8 to 10 Eastern. Okay. Yep. So I encourage people to check out your, your show as well, and uh, you'll be introduced to so many great guests and topics along the way. So thanks so much, Teresa, for today. Thanks, Father, and you were a great guest, too. You have to come back on. You've been listening to the podcast, How They Love Mary. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast and want to support the podcast, I'd encourage you to do so by becoming a member at Patreon. By supporting this podcast on Patreon, you will help to pay for the monthly fees associated with the podcast and the a possibility of upgrading equipment and also putting money into advertising and promotion. If you like this podcast, I'd encourage you to share it with your family and friends. And please like it and review it on Apple Podcasts. Post about this podcast on your social media. And when you're on your social media, you can follow me, Father Edward Looney, at the handle at FR Edward Looney on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I can't wait to share another episode of How They Love Mary with you next time. So be sure to tune in then. Until then, let us remain united in prayer to Jesus through Mary. God bless.